This is Heat Stories, about hot spices, their history and the stories around them. What drives people who engage with them, how they spread, how they are used, what's coming next. You go looking into the chili peppers, you go looking into this whole issue of people liking and not liking chili peppers and you come across Paul Rosin and the idea of benign masochism. Yeah, well, except for the benign masochism paper, my work was you know, done before 2000. Mm-hmm. But I wrote the Benign Masochism paper recently. Yeah. Okay. And nobody else really works on it. So. It's yeah, like, it's it's quite interesting. I was at some point going to ask you uh, because otherwise the main thing, the main discussion I've been finding about the Chile Peppers are like the Darwinian gastronomy ideas, the ideas of antimicrobial effects. There's a there's a whole line of a whole group of people who try to show that chili pepper has a uh, biological function. Okay, mm-hmm. and, and that doesn't explain why, well, it, they, they try to use it to explain why people get to like it. Okay, now there's virtually no evidence that people get to like things because it makes them internally, it has some internal effect. For example, people don't get to like medicines, like mm-hmm. acids, which you eat, have flavor, make you feel better nobody gets to like them so even if chili pepper does have some positive effects and it does um that's not likely to be why they get to like it because that would make it like a medicine now mm-hmm. it, it does cause sweating it does cause salivation um it, it, it's not clear that it's antimicrobial people think it's antimicrobial because it's, it's strong so they think it would kill anything but mm-hmm. in actual fact there's very little evidence that it's antimicrobial some spices are but not particularly chili pepper but even if it was antimicrobial that wouldn't be why people got to like it mm-hmm. people don't get to like things because they have good effects on them they get to like things because well partly exposure just getting eating something make sure they to like it. They sometimes get to like it because it's associated with good things, like maybe other foods. Mm-hmm. And they, they get to like it because of the social environment. A little kid is sitting in a home in a culture which eats chili pepper, and everyone's enjoying the peppers. The older children are, and that seems to somehow make them like it. We don't know exactly how, mm-hmm. but it seems. And then, then I have a special account for why people get to like things that originally taste bad because mm-hmm. most things you get to like don't taste particularly bad they're just okay mm-hmm. but if something tastes bad it's more striking that this very bad tasting uh burning innately negative experience that chili pepper produces comes to europe and then africa and asia and people love it now mm-hmm. That's amazing because it's, you know, it, it's hard to get to something spread to spread. And, you know, tomatoes had problems spreading from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Potatoes had trouble spreading from Peru. And why should chili pepper, which tastes bad, unlike tomatoes and potatoes, do so well? So um, we don't understand why chili pepper was so successful. However, many of the countries that adopted it, uh, say in Asia, were already eating black pepper. Uh-huh. some of the same effect it's not as strong as chili pepper but it's expensive hard to grow and it produces this mouth burn so they mm-hmm. maybe were ready for something that was cheaper and had a good aroma and you know and, and produced this desired effect but then we'd have to ask why did they like black pepper right 
So mm-hmm. we'll have a problem there. But so that's a little puzzling. So benign masochism is a way I try to explain it, particularly because there's a very important thing about chili pepper. Animals that eat mammals that eat um, food that has chili pepper in it, like in a Mexican village I worked in, which mm-hmm. is where chili pepper comes from. Um, the dogs and the pigs eat the garbage, and the garbage includes the salt. They make a salsa of chili mm-hmm. pepper tomato every day, and they throw it out at the end of the day was what's left, and they throw out the stale tortillas. So they make them move every day. So they've got the, the dogs and the pigs are eating Mexican food okay, every day. Of course. Uh, and I couldn't find a single animal in the village that liked hot pepper. That is, so I gave them a choice, dogs and pigs, of either a plain cracker or a cracker with hot pepper on it. They'd always choose the plain one first. They'd eat them both, but mm-hmm. they'd always choose the plain one first. And the people in the village said, there's no animals that like hot pepper. So everyone mm-hmm. in the village likes hot pepper and no animals. Do. So mm-hmm. it suggests that there's a, there's a human reason. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was microbial effects or something like that, the animals would learn it too. <laughs> True. Uh-huh. So anyway, so the my, the benign masochism idea does explain. It's a it's a theory. It's not in any sense proven, but it does explain why it's only human. And the idea is that people uh, learn by trying it in a positive environment that it doesn't actually do anything bad to them. It seems like it's going to rip your mouth apart, but it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So your body thinks, get this out of here. And you learn it's actually okay. And there's a certain pleasure in getting, being better than your body, knowing that your body is signaling danger, but you're <laughs> not actually experiencing it. Uh, the best example of this is not chili pepper, it's a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Why do people go down a roller coaster? Their body thinks they're crashing. Their heart is pounding. There's a lot of fear, but they actually know that they're not really crashing. And mm-hmm. so the fact that their body is doing this sort of like a thrill-seeking thing, but they're not actually crashing. And and we don't know. No one's ever put a dog on a roller coaster. <laughs> I doubt that dogs would go on roller coasters. And we do all sorts of things like this. We eat black coffee, which is mm-hmm. bitter, and we get to like the bitter. We eat very cold beverages, like iced beverages, uh, which little people don't like originally. Little kids don't like them. We we go to sad movies. We, we mm-hmm. go pay money to cry. We uh, we like to feel pain, as when we you go into a hot bath and the first experience is sort of that hot mm-hmm. pain. We people like to run and feel get their muscles aching and painful. Uh, people do all sorts of things, which which fall under this term of benign masochism. So it is experiencing negative things, but you know that they're safe. And even with disgust, which is something we acquire, disgust is not innate, but we, mm-hmm. we acquire this very strong negative reaction to spoiled things, among other things. And then we come to like some of them, like, 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 like uh, smelly cheese, or mm-hmm. in Southeast Asia, fish sauce, which is decayed fish. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of the same idea, and uh, not everybody, uh, not everybody enjoys these things. Lots of people don't like to go down roller coasters, and though virtually everybody in a culture that eats hot pepper likes it, but in, in a place like the United States or Northern Europe, lots of people don't like it. 
They haven't been raised with it, and some people just never get to accept it. Like some people don't like the bitterness of beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, some do. But when it's part of your cuisine and everyone's eating it all the time, that seems to do the job. We don't know exactly how it does the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been wondering about this a bit, like if the idea of benign masochism with the chili isn't a bit too influenced maybe by how unusual it is to us and how much we associate it with pain. I'm not sure to what extent this is taking place as much in other places. I mean, my point or my experience with China is that most of the time in the places where they cook very spicy foods, it's not really made to be so hot. But I'm not, I'm never sure myself if it's like getting so used to it that afterwards we say it's not actually so hot, it's not painful, that's not it. Or if it isn't just, or if it is really not made to be quite so hot. Okay, well, first of all, all the evidence we have is that the brain gets the same signal from the mouth, whether you like hot pepper or not. So it's it's a pain signal, which we, you come to enjoy. Now, and the people who like chili pepper say, I like the burn. They don't say I eat it in spite of the burn. Now, in, 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 in Sichuan, the food is quite spicy, uh, not in not in northern China. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, one of the reasons that another reason that I think benign masochism has some value is that the people, most people who like hot food, like it as hot as they can bear it. That is, they get it gets hotter and hotter, and they like it more and more, and then it gets a little hotter. They say, "No, that's too strong." But the one they like best is like pushing what's unbearable for them, and that's true of roller coasters. People like the scariest roller coaster they can go on. Mm. So it's looking like they're pushing to the, you know, they're pushing the system to the greatest amount that they can enjoy, the greatest amount of fear in the case of a roller coaster. I mean, there's no doubt you're afraid going down a roller coaster. Yeah. In a sense, you know you're not you're not really afraid, but you know your body is afraid. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, but people have different. It turns out that people in Mexico have different hottest pepper that they like. Mm-hmm. So there are individual differences, and but people tend to like the hottest one they can bear. But that maybe is not so hot for some people and extremely hot for other people. And that's true in the United States too. People who like hot food sometimes like only moderately hot food. That's me. I don't like very hot food, mm-hmm. uh, but I like moderately hot food. So so you stabilize at a level after you've had it for a while, a level, a maximum level you like, and that doesn't seem to change too much. Now, uh, why okay. true, I don't know. I don't know why that's true. So you don't think that people are o- always keep on pushing it? Well, they maybe the well, they may push it, but to the point everyone has a point where it's too hot for them, but it's not the same point. Mm-hmm. Why some people okay. want more than others, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. But true. Now it does correlate weakly with other things like that, like liking bitter and uh, liking roller coasters. But mm-hmm. that's the, there's a bit of a thrill-seeking individual difference between people. That's clear, but it, that doesn't account for all of it. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it is just very special to this system and very special to the roller coasters. And I don't know. I have not 
really worked on this in the last 20 years, except to put together the data for benign masochism. Mm -hmm. So the sad movies and all of that. The sad movies are particularly interesting because why should people pay money to cry? Yeah, to get, well, depressed shouldn't, I should, probably shouldn't say depressed, but to get into worse no, not mood. depressed, but that's sad. And some mm -hmm. people don't like sad movies, by the way, quite mm. a few. But the point is that you're crying and you're feeling sad, but what's happening in the movie isn't really happening. Mm -hmm. It's a fiction. Now, people do go to see movies about the Holocaust, real movies, and they, and they might cry at those, but those they don't say they enjoy those movies. Mm -hmm. They say that it was a good, it's good for them to have that experience. Mm -hmm. and, but they don't, they don't enjoy it in the way they would enjoy a sad fiction movie. But it's <laughs> yeah, interesting true. that people even watch Holocaust movies. I mean, they do. Some mm. people, some people can't stand it. Uh, but so there's there's a lot of individual difference by culture and by within culture, and there's a lot of work to do on this. For some reason, this topic has not been particularly interesting to psychologists. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I I did a fair amount of work on it in the 1980s and 90s. And I've worked on, I'm more interested in meat now. And of course, mm -hmm. meat is a very, uh, a very, very important substance in terms of sustainability and so on. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in how people react to meat. But, but I started my work on food actually with chili pepper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that came out of your interest in like feeding behaviors and then the research in Mexico? Well, I started actually. My my PhD thesis was on feeding in rats, on mm -hmm. how rats eat balanced diets. But then I left food and I worked on memory and reading and acquisition of reading. And mm -hmm. then my wife wrote a cookbook called The Flavor Principle Cookbook. Mm -hmm. cuisine, The Flavor Principle Cookbook. And one of the things <clears throat> was that billions of people put this characteristic flavoring on their food, which includes chili pepper. Yeah, right. Right, Mexico. It's uh, you know, hot. it's off usually tomato and chili and maybe some garlic mm -hmm. and a few things. In uh, in, in other part, in India, it's mixed with other spices like mm -hmm. cumin and so on. But they do this. They they burn their mouths. They don't have mm -hmm. to do this. And uh, <laughs> I got interested in why do people do something that crazy? And that was what got me back into food research, which I've been in ever since. So the first project I worked on was. Why do people like chili pepper? And I went to Mexico and spent a month in a village where they where it's where it comes from and where it's part of their life. And that was the start of my career. That mm -hmm. my career, my second half of my career, which I still am working on, is how people relate to food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now you made me think talking about the research into meat of how much at least this research into Darwinian gastronomy thought that chili peppers and meat are associated. Now you made me wonder if like the current vogue of fake meat is going to have more success if it gets spicy. Okay, well, actually, generally speaking, the people who eat a lot of meat, the cultures that eat a lot of meat, don't use chili pepper, like Northern Europe, for example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a, more the tropical mm -hmm. cultures. And... The, the microbial people say that's because they have more microbial disease. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the reason. I think that their diet is very bland. They don't have much. Mm -hmm. They have very little meat. And they eat mostly a, a carbohydrate, 
In Mexico, it's corn. In East Asia, it's rice. These are low-taste things, and their food doesn't have a lot of character. And chili pepper really gives it, and other spices too, Mm -hmm. give it real flavor. So the elaborate spicing of foods is mostly done in in the tropical areas. So I think... uh, I think that there's actually a negative relation between chili pepper and meat. That is, the more you eat meat, the less likely you are to eat chili pepper. But you can. Oh. And of course, in India, in Mexico, they put chili pepper on the food with meat, but they, but it's not usually a lot of meat. It's little mm-hmm. pieces of meat. And of course, many Indians are vegetarians. Mm-hmm. They have half the vegetarians in the world. So meat is a different thing. Meat is, meat is attractive. You don't have to teach people to like meat. To like it, yeah. Especially if it's ground meat so they don't have a tooth problem early in life. Um, And the problem is meat is the most favorite food in many ways in the world and the most tabooed food. So there's Mm -hmm. a tremendously, uh, tremendous ambivalence about meat. There's not ambivalence about chili pepper. There's tremendous ambivalence about meat. And that ambivalence plays into the fact that we have so many vegetarians in the world. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we have other people who can't imagine eating without meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the general move in the sustainability movement is to get people to eat less meat. So mm-hmm. imitation meats are one way to break them from that habit. I don't think chili pepper will be um, important in, in, in making that transition in northern Europe and <laughs> the United States. But it yeah, may be the people who already put hot pepper on their meat will then put it on the uh, impossible burgers and beyond mm-hmm. meat. They're pretty good imitations of meat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're promising. They're promising for sustainability and they don't make too much sacrifice in the experience of eating meat. They don't have quite the texture of meat, but they'll get mm-hmm. better. You know, technology is really good. Mm-hmm. It, 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 to me that uh, there's an anti-technology sense in a lot of the people who are for sustainability which I understand you know mm-hmm. they feel corporations and other things are causing a lot of the problems but the fact is that impossible meats are coming out of technology mm-hmm. and my own view technology is going to be at the center of, of dealing with sustainability because mm-hmm. the best way to it's the best way to get people off meat is to give them something that has the, the properties they love of meat, but isn't bad for the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, you made me wonder because I have already seen that, like this um, almost disgust against fake meat because it is such a technologically processed thing. Yeah, well, it is. There is a problem that the the uh, the people who are most for sustainability are sort of anti-corporate as a whole, politically and anti-technology. Mm-hmm. But that's where the that's where the solution is going to come to their problem. That's what's so interesting to me. It's sort of a conflict in mm-hmm. uh, in their politics. But you know, it'll all straighten out. Well, and that seems to be a very common conflict nowadays, where it's like. Uh, even they, even when they are anti-technology, they still use social media and everything to organize. And they're on their computers and they have their, they have their dogs. Mm. I've actually been quite amused, I must say, because I'm looking at the research, the ideas which still, which I still find very, very interesting, and they are oftentimes those of you and those of your wife of Elizabeth Rosin. It's like. Yeah, then I look at the times when it was actually published and it's like, 
all seem to be such old ideas, okay, but still listen, I've got, sometimes. I've got another call, and that's probably my next interview. But mm-hmm. uh, let me just say, I can, I'm can. i willing to get back to you. And my wife died uh, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. So she, you're not going to be able to interview her. <laughs> of course. Just a second. This is a busy morning. I, this is not a typical morning. I mean, I have... Okay. Okay. And I'm happy to continue. Thank you very much. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.